So are you going to have storms in life? Yeah, you're going to have some storms in life. And you ought to be thrilled to death that you get that opportunity to demonstrate your faith in God. A lot of people run from these trials and tribulations in fear and in trembling. But you ought to welcome like you're just getting a pot of gold sent to you. Because when you get to heaven, God's going to reward you richly because of your faithfulness in the time of testing. Now here in the book of Luke, look there in the book of Luke chapter 8, and uh, look in verse 22. Chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus stills the waves. Must have been a storm. Look at verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with the disciples. He said unto them, let us go over onto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind upon the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they said to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, you ought to underline this statement in your Bible. Where is your faith? Where's your faith? Now, remember, they must have some, but maybe they have it in the wrong place. You see, there's a few things mentioned here. One is the sailors. One is the ship. One is the sea. One is the storm. And one is the Savior. So you've got these five things in this verse. The sailors, that was them. They were the sailors. Were they trusting in their ability? And that's why they were worried, because they knew they didn't have what it takes to deliver themselves from the storm. So evidently, maybe they were trusting in themselves. If they trust in themselves, what usually happens whenever you don't see a way out? That produces the fear. And a lot of people are scared to death because they can't make something happen. They don't have the wisdom, the talent, the ability to perform, to work those little miracles that they want. And they don't like to be shown up because of the element of pride. Nobody wants to be humbled, and that's why the Bible talks about Moses. Moses had made the statement, Lord, don't let me see how wicked I am. All the people are against me. And he didn't know what he was going to do. He said, I'm ready to commit suicide. I'm ready to get out of here. He said, don't let me see my wickedness. Nobody wants to be seen to be weak and lack of faith. Everybody likes to put forth that I'm strong in the Lord. And God says, I'm going to let you see whether or not are you really strong in the Lord or because I haven't tested you good enough in certain areas. That's why the Bible talks about multiple testings, diversity of testings, all kinds to see what you're made out of. Well, it says here in verse 22, And it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with the disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Wait a minute, who told them that? Jesus did. Whose idea was it to get in the boat? Jesus. Whose idea was it to go on the other side of the lake? Jesus. 
didn't he say, let us go over to the other side of the lake? Why would they question a doubt that ever arrived? Didn't he just tell them, we're going to the other side? So what did he do? What did he do? He went to sleep. He went to sleep. Evidently, he don't care about us. I mean, he's the Lord. He can just do anything he wants to. He can walk on the water. But what about us? Do you believe that God can deliver you? Regardless of the problem. Regardless of what you need. And so, therefore, there's people who put their confidence in themselves. The sailors. They didn't have what it takes to deliver them. Then you look at the next thing down here. It talks about that they went in a ship. Well, what man? You wouldn't care about a storm if the ship was big enough. I have been on the U.S. Abraham Lincoln. It's a huge aircraft carrier. It holds 7,000 people. It's a city. And I don't care what storm came up. I would have slept like a rock. And I watched the waves and so forth. And that thing never moved one iota. Because the ship was big and I was trusting in the ship. And I didn't worry about anything. Why? Because the ship was big. But what if God causes your ship to be small? And you see, when it's small, or maybe the money is small. You ever been where you didn't have a lot of money? Not enough money to meet the need. And then God has failed you. And you weep and wail and gnash your teeth. And if there's a God up there, then how come he don't do something about it? Well, maybe he is doing something about it. He's watching you squirm. He's watching you squirm. And wants to see whether or not, are you going to trust him? Do you love money more? What kind of an attitude do you have? Whine and pine and moan and groan. My God is a wonderful God. He's an awesome. My God is an awesome God. He just don't know how to provide for me. <laughs> well, God is going to reveal things to you, and that's what you're afraid of. You're afraid sometimes to see how weak you are. And that you know if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't be standing at all. If God allowed certain tests to come your way, do you realize you may not stand? I just got word last night that some preacher up there in Hammond, Indiana messed up with a 16-year-old girl. It was the largest church in the world. It was a church where Dr. Jack Hiles was the pastor. His son-in-law. Maybe he got too big for his britches. Maybe he just saw a 16-year-old girl. It's cost him the ministry. Probably will put him in jail. And you know what? He'll probably blame God. Did you know that God can allow a person to be tested? Because he knows where you really are. And when you fall, it won't be because of that test. That's just revealed your weakness in advance. See, God already knows whether or not, where is your faith? Is your faith in you? And what you can do, and when you can't see that you have the power to do certain things, you're scared to death. You're fearful. You tremble. But look what else. You see, evidently the ship must not have been too big because it was tossed to and fro. And so it says here, 
there's the sea. You see, it's okay when the sea was calm. They weren't worried when they were in the boat, in the water, when the water was still. This sea, I have been on the Sea of Galilee. I've been right there. I've preached on the Sea of Galilee many times. I enjoy it. I've also seen it when it's been a little on the rough side. The rougher the water, the bigger the ship I'd rather have. But you see, when the sea is calm, everything's fine. They will not be complaining. When things are going easy in your life, you'd be surprised how, boy, isn't God good? Isn't God good? God is just so good. Yeah. Did you know when everything falls apart in your life, God is still just as good? God has not changed. God's character doesn't change. He is immutable. He doesn't change. He's always good. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. He is with you. He walks with you. Cast all your cares upon Him. Boy, that's easy preaching and hard living, ain't it? Now, what else did they see? What else did they see? They saw themselves. That wasn't going to be sufficient. Their faith shouldn't have been there. They saw the sea. Well, their faith shouldn't have been in that. Because the sea uh, produced the waves that produced the ship moving all. The ship evidently wasn't, it must have been a problem. And there's the storm. And see, and the storm comes. The storm rages. And they can't stop a storm. It'd be like Yankee been out there stopping this last one, big rain that we had come through here. Lord, keep it out there in the Gulf. Can you see me out here in the parking lot doing that, pushing it away there? I think there would be a problem. I don't think I got the ability to do that. There are storms that's going to come in your life that's going to shake you to your core. To see what in the world are you made out of. And people always enjoy watching how somebody else handles their problems. Because you want to know how strong are they? How stabilized are they? And sometimes they might need somebody to come along and give them a word of encouragement. Are you the one that stands back and says, <laughs> Man, look at that. He's got a storm in his life. He's going to fall. I just know he's going to fall. Or are you supposed to go along and try to help and encourage one? and help? Hey, Look, just keep your eyes on the Lord. Just keep trusting the Lord. Uh, I don't know how God's going to do this, but God's going to work it out. A person needs to focus upon Christ. And knowing that He will not leave you and not forsake you, and God will see you through. You see, there's one other thing. The one they thought they should be trusting in, they're supposed to know who they are and know where they are and love them, was asleep. You ever think sometimes God has gone on a vacation? You know, He's wound you all up and set you loose and said, I'll see you all in about a thousand years. But do you believe that God, since He never slumbers and never sleeps, there's no sense both of you staying awake at night? You're not supposed to embarrass God or insult God, I should say, by thinking that your problems are so big, He can't handle them. Or to insult God by thinking your problems are too small to bother Him with. He says, cast all your cares upon Him. All of them. Big and small. Because God wants your trust in Him all the time. He wants you to look to Him. Look what He says here in verse 24. 
And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. There was a calm. And then in verse 25, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered. Why were they afraid after he calmed the wind? After he calmed the storm? After there was peace? Why were they still afraid? Because they knew they didn't do it. Because they knew the one they had on board was God. For even the winds and the waves obey His will. Take your Bible and look there in the book of uh, Mark chapter 4. Just turn back to the left a few pages. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Just look at this very quickly again. Verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitudes, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? That's an interesting statement. Lord, do you realize that I need some money and I don't have none? Don't you care? Don't, don't you care about me? Lord, I need this. What is it you need? What have you talked to God about? Can you trust the Lord to come through in the nick of time? Trust Him. And you'll be surprised what God will do for you. But He's looking for a person with faith. And God knows whether or not you have faith in Him when you have the peace of God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust thee in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. There is strength and there's joy in trusting the Lord. And when your joy isn't gone, it means your faith isn't in him. It's limited. Therefore, God says this, let it be unto you according to your faith. <clears throat> well, I don't see how God's going to do this. Well, based on that, he might not. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know he will. Probably will. Be it unto you according to your faith. What can you trust God for? Where is your faith? Look what else he says here. When he makes that statement there in verse 38, carest not that we perish. Doesn't the Bible say some player about cast all your care upon him for he careth for us? And then you'll ask the question, God, don't you care? Don't you care? Well, he says in another verse, remember who he is, what he said. There's none greater. He cannot lie. Does God care? Does God care about you? Does God care about this church? Does God care about your family? God does care. You can't love your husband more than God does. You can't love your wife more than God does. You can't love your children more than God does. You can't love this church more than God does. You can't do it. It's impossible. The only love you have is what you got from Him. 
Do you think you have more than him? Do you think that your desire to please God is greater than God's desire for you to please him? <laughs> Don't overestimate God or underestimate God by thinking that God doesn't care. Does God care? Does God know every problem that you now have? Does he know the ones that you're going to get? Yeah. But there's something God wants that's so very important. There's a story about a woman who had an issue of blood and she was coming up behind Christ and the doctors couldn't help her and she touched the hem of his garment. And he turned around and said, who touched me? Remember the story? He said, Master, everybody's touching you. Not with faith. Not with faith. Somebody touched me that believes that I can do something for them. And he says, virtue has gone out of me. You see, God knows who believes. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, it says that Jesus knew what was in man. Do you know that God already knows whether you trust him or not? A lot of times the testing is to reveal it to you. Because God already knows. God is God. So God wants to reveal to you that your trust is not in Him. Because see, trust in the Lord produces the peace and the joy and the happiness that you ought to have. Now, as I'm teaching this, I'm also preaching to myself. Don't think just because, well, you're 70 years old, you don't, you don't have to face the th decisions like we do. <laughs> yes, I do. I could write a book. There's all kinds of things, all the time. It never stops. But you want to keep your eyes focused upon the Lord. Lest the decisions of life and people and things get you so sidetracked and you lose who you really are. And the important things in life. God wants you and I to walk with Him and to trust Him. Look what he says there in verse 39. And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Didn't he already tell them, Let's get in the boat, and we'll go to the other side? Then don't you think that if their trust was in the Lord, they'll get to the other side? They were worried for their own life. I didn't ask to be born. Nobody did. So here we are. I didn't ask for all the things that happens in my life. But God has seen fit to bring things into my life and take things out of my life. It doesn't really matter what it is. Because I know at the end of the road and when I get to heaven, God is going to reward me for being faithful. It is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Not rich, popular, good-looking, ugly, it don't matter. Faithful. So that's something everybody can do with what God's given to you. Everybody can be faithful. You can put your trust in the Lord after you trusted Him as your Savior, and you can walk with the Lord. Look what else he says in verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What kind of a person is this? He's the Lord. He's God. 
You know why these stories are in the Bible? So that you and I can have great consolation. Look who we're talking about. We're talking about him that entered into the veil. Into the Holy of Holies. And we are anchored to him. We're anchored. And that's why your faith is to be in the Lord. And he is unmoved. That he is my rock. He's my rock. My sword. My shield. There's a song about that. I wish I could remember it, but I don't remember it. I hope you don't mind my singing every once in a while. It won't hurt you none. You can endure anything for a short period of time. So, look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. It's all the bad things that we do. I want you to know that God loves us. God loves you. He loves me. He hates what we do wrong. He hates our sin. And the Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. See, God is perfect. We're not. We've all come short of His righteousness. But to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God, just as if you had never sinned. Well, God says you cannot save yourself. You need a Savior. And the Bible says you cannot earn your way to heaven by your good works. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But He took all of the sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. And when we talk about Christ died for me, that means that He paid for my sins. What that means is, is I don't have to pay for my sins. What that means is I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to go to hell and pay for one sin. He paid for all my sins. And all I have to do is believe He did it for me and He puts this payment to my account. I go to heaven on what He did, not what I do. Now, after you trust Christ as your Savior and you have eternal life and you're going to heaven when you die, God wants us to learn how to walk by faith. You see how we were saved? We were saved not because of any good works that we did. We were saved because we believed that He there's none greater, paid for our sins, and He gave us His word that if I believe He did it for me, He would put this payment to my account. He promised to give me eternal life, and He cannot lie. So I am born into God's family, and I get to go to heaven on what He said. Now, if we can trust Him to take us to heaven, can you trust your heavenly Father for a hamburger from day to day? He said, but what if I die? You're still going to heaven, aren't you? Death isn't the worst thing that could happen to you. The worst thing that happened to you is to stay down here forever, like this. The best thing that could happen to me is to drop dead, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the older I get, the better it looks. Christ died for me. Now that I know Him as my Savior, I want to see just what it's going to be like when I get to heaven and what He's going to give me. I can't wait for the surprise. He says He will honor and praise and glory. You know, you've been watching the Olympics and you see them standing up there and there for their country and all the tears and their victory. You know, that illustration is what's taught in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. When we run in a race, you run to win, but they 
corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Because one day when it's all over and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the rewarding stand, God is going to give us the praise, the honor, and the glory because you were victorious because God allowed you to be challenged. All these things in the Olympics, they don't just give out those awards. They have to earn them. And they work and they sweat for years for maybe a a minute or a two or three minute ordeal. And some of them are broken hearted because of all the labor they put into it. And then they come crashing down or one little mistake and then they lose it all for their country. But when you serve the Lord, you don't lose. Every man shall receive praise of God that deserves praise of God. You may not get it from man down here, but that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it for the Lord, and when you get there, it will be worth it all. Let's pray, shall we? If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're listening, if you've never really understood, would you right now, the best you know how, say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, that He paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust Him to take me to heaven when I die. And friend, if you will trust Him, God said He will save you and give you eternal life. You'll go to heaven on what he did for you. Would you trust him? Does anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight and preach I'd like you to pray for me. If you've never done it before, would you do it right now? Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, where is your faith? You're already going to heaven. You know that. You know that the Lord, he, he, he's your Father. You're his child. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. Can you trust Him? Can you put your confidence in Him and say, Lord, I, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know when you're going to do it. But I believe that you will. And maybe you're having a rough time right now. You say, Preacher, that made sense to me and I needed that message tonight. And I am struggling. I do have some things. And i like to have special prayer tonight. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you and you and you and you. God bless you. There's as many. I appreciate that. It's just a sign saying, Lord, I'm needy. I need help. Our Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And Father, there's many here tonight that said, Lord, I, I need this. I need encouragement. I, I want to put my confidence in you. And Lord, I don't know how you're going to bring me through this or whatever it might be, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you and cast my cares upon you and believe that you'll do what you promised that you would do. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.